Hello and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hartnett, and in today's podcast, we are focusing again on the road to Paris 2024 and, in this instance, the Paralympic Games. This series is in partnership with our good friends at PTSB, who have just launched their great-looking new branding with Olympians and Paralympians to the fore. They are proud sponsors of Team Ireland and can indeed be altogether more human. Our guest this morning is Paralympian high jumper Jordan Lee. Over the next half an hour, you'll hear how he overcame the laughter and the whispers to play basketball as a five-year-old, his first memories of the Paralympic Games, and his first meeting with the great Jason Smith that set him on the path to where he is today. We're out here on the Sport Ireland campus now. Jordan, you're very welcome back onto Sport for Business and onto this Road to Paris podcast, The Road to Paris. It's getting real now, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, thank you very much for having me back. Really appreciate it. Um, Paris is certainly just around the corner now, um, less than a year away. Um, I, I know so many, um, so many details of Paris at this current moment in time, even to the point of exactly what time i'm competing at at 7 13 p.m so the excitement is, is is definitely hyping up um not just from myself but from family members and and friends at home too um so it's uh it's it's, it's definitely all going now and making sure that planning is in a is in a, is, is done in a correct and professional way is, is is crucially important then as well to ensure that i uh qualify for paris in a in a really good position hopefully early next year that's a pretty cool attention to detail that you know already about the the exact time and probably <sighs> the likely temperature in the stadium and all of the rest of it um we'll, we'll get into that sort of you know the preparation the qualification and all the rest of it i just want to take you right back to the beginning though and your love of sport your engagement with sport when we spoke before you told me a great story about how you refused to accept the fact that people didn't think you had a place on a basketball court when you were a kid <laughs> remind us of that definitely um so like the first sport that i ever showed any real interest in was the sport of basketball um that mainly stemmed from the fact that my basketball or that my father sorry was a was quite a good basketball player back in his day and played at quite a decent level so it was only natural for me to actually want to learn how to play basketball um and that first happened when i was five years of age um, I remember I got told, I got surprised from my dad that uh, he was actually taking me to a basketball training session and he didn't tell me. And I remember being absolutely ecstatic in the car. I couldn't wait to go inside um, the same Brendan's college, uh, the same basketball doors. And I remember going in and I've told this story many times and it's also very true. It was genuinely like a scene from a movie where it was almost like the basketball suddenly stopped bouncing and people were were pointing at my hand, they were whispering to each other about my hand, saying some really mean and nasty remarks. Um, and if you were to put yourself in my position as a five-year-old at that point in time, you can imagine it could be quite hard to take. But nine short years later, after my first basketball session, I became the first one-handed basketball player to ever represent their country nationally in the world um, against able-bodied athletes. So. Um, it's an achievement that I obviously look back on with great pride. Um, it's something that 
took a tremendous amount of work to get there as well. Um, I would get up every morning before school uh, when I was five and six years of age with my father to go swimming and to go play basketball because I was just that motivated and determined to, to prove all all these people doubting me wrong, which is something that I um, thankfully ended up doing. Um, not, not only was I involved in basketball from a very young age, I was, I was, I was very willing to get involved in various different sports, um, soccer being one of them as well, uh, tennis. Um, I actually won an able-bodied tennis competition when I was 12 years of age, so I was always trying to, trying to see what I was capable of doing and never set a limit on what it is that I could personally achieve, um, as, as well as, as naturally playing a bit of football. Um, I suppose if you're from, if you're from Kerry, if you don't play, if you don't play a bit of football, um, I, I don't think you'll be, you'll be welcome back into the school. <laughs> so that had to happen at a certain point. Um, but then the older I got and the more, and the more, um, the more structured I got with basketball, um, it, I kind of knew at that point it was something I really wanted to pursue and went to went to eventually representing Ireland um, on, a, on, a, on a national, international level, um, which then sparked quite a bit of media attention from the likes of Ryan Tuberty in The Late Late Show. I remember getting a call saying from Ryan that I was going to be on The Late Late Show on uh, Friday uh the 31st of october halloween night and um i just you know i just couldn't believe it because I, I was told initially that I, I might get a few pictures in the kerry's eye or the kerry man or the clan advertiser and um that really spiraled to, to being in every single newspaper imaginable in uh in the shops and being on these these tv shows and it was something that I didn't expect was going to happen, but I was also very grateful that it happened too, because I was getting some good exposure and then giving giving a platform in a way to people uh, who have disabilities similar to myself and who have disabilities as as a whole to see that okay, there's this guy in Killarney, he's not setting a, a limit on what can be achieved, and we can we can aspire to to be like him. Did you enjoy the profile? Because athletes sometimes have this as you obviously do yourself a very single-minded focus on performing to the very best of your ability and sometimes all of that stuff around the edges can be a little bit of a distraction but you seem to thrive in the spotlight is it something that you really enjoy <laughs> yeah no definitely i mean i would be lying if i if i said that i didn't enjoy it i mean in particular when i was younger though because like when you're when you're a 14 year old kid and you're, you're asked to be on the late late show it, it is quite a cool thing to be able to come back into school the next week and <laughs> and just after coming off the late late show at Ryan's over um but the, the thing that i was most happy about uh, genuinely is the fact that i was just getting recognized for all my work because there had been a lot of times where you know it, it was just me training in a gym or it was it was me and my family training in a gym there a lot of stuff that wasn't really told at that time of getting up early before school and training three times a day, doing basketball, sleeping with a basketball before I went to bed, you know, like all these, all these little things. So to actually get recognition for it, then, you know, I was just, I was just happy on my, on my hard work, got recognized in an appropriate manner, which is, which I believe it did. Um, but now, I mean, you know, like I'm obviously, I'm obviously grateful to, to be a Paralympian, to to be an elite level high jumper, and to to have some major companies back me on the way then as well, um, 
with the likes of uh, Puma, who I signed a deal with earlier this year, which I'm which I'm absolutely thrilled about. Um, it, it it reminds me very much of. Uh, of, of when I was growing up playing uh, my NBA 2K basketball game, the PlayStation, and I had an option to choose between Puma or another brand, and to actually to actually be a Puma sponsor, that you know is, is amazing. And then also to have the support of Tournament uh, TSB then as well, who are also uh, going to be helping me on my journey towards Paris. And I think the the connection that myself and the guys have within Tournament uh, TSB is fantastic. I think they 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 really understand Paralympic sport and they're they're really willing to to upskill it as well, especially with the next gen initiative that was released over the past couple of months, um, encouraging people to get involved in para sport and to try out the different events that they had set up throughout the country. So um, I think they're doing a fantastic job and I think they're definitely the right sponsor to have on board, not just not just for me but for Paralympics Ireland as a result. So. Um, but getting back to the original question, I kind of rambled on a little there, but so you're going. Um, uh, yeah, um, when when it, when it comes to um, I suppose getting recognition now, it's you know it's great and all, but I'm just I'm I'm really focused now to just performing well next year because the stakes are the stakes are a lot higher now as a as a 23 year old professional athlete as 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 if you compare it to when I was a 14 year old boy playing for Ireland. There's there's a lot more on the line. There's a you know, it's it's just a bigger scale, basically. Yeah, even even in comparison to when you were a twenty year old and Tokyo, mm. because that was your first experience of of the Paralympics, and you'd moved already into the athletic sphere, into the high jumping role at that stage. How much better of an athlete? How much better of a jumper? How much better of a, as you say, professional athlete are you now going into Paris? as you were going into Tokyo, which, of course, we have to remember was taking place in the midst of COVID restrictions and a whole different world. Yeah, no, I'm, I've I've definitely become a much better overall athlete, um, not just from a physical uh, standpoint, but I've, I've, I've matured a lot too, naturally, just with getting older. Um, not to say that I wasn't mature in the first place as a 20-year-old, which I, I feel like I was... You know, some bit decently mature at that point, but um, I've naturally become a lot more mature. Um, I think I think my mindset has probably changed slightly a bit as well as you get older with time. Um, you know, like some of the numbers that I've been putting up over the past couple of months um, have, have been have been quite quite fantastic. I I have to say. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to all those numbers that I put up. Um, let's say in the gym and from physical testing to actually translate onto the track now for the upcoming year um, because like I, I, I've said in so many interviews chatting to plenty of different people that all my physical testing suggests that I should be in and around the 210 range my PB is 195 there's a 15 centimeter gap there and it sounds ridiculous but it's 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 something that will come over time still with a few technical changes that need to be made um my technique has improved massively since i've been last talking to you as well um i know that was something that i had been working on uh quite aggressively at the time um but i think the last year um since i've been recovering from a bit of an injury um i um i, I tore a ligament in my ankle back in november of last year um it wasn't very serious it sounds a lot worse than what it actually was but it was something that i rehabbed back quick uh, rehabbed back 
from quite quickly and quite, and quite well. Um, and since that injury, I decided that it would be best to skip the Worlds this year and focus on giving myself a big bulk of time to get my approach right, basically, which is something that I made a lot of changes to, a lot of positive changes. And there's a lot of bad habits that I had been doing this time last year that I'm not doing now at all whatsoever. And it's something I'm not even thinking about. So I think it was important to, to think about the long-term picture and what's actually important. And I think what was actually important to me personally as an athlete was performing to the best of my capabilities for Paris as opposed to or Paris Paralympics as opposed to worrying about the world champs that were on this year. Mm-hmm. Um, because people see a world champs and they see major champs. It's like, right, I need to be at my very, very best for this. There's a certain point in time that you do have to be, but every athlete's different too, and they all have different goals and when they want to be at their very, very best. So kind of gives a different perspective on things too. Um, and I think it's I, th- I think it's worked out really, really well because, because I've been putting up some great numbers as a result and technique has improved and my base is really good now going into next year. And next year, of course, is Paris. It's back in Europe. It's back as a almost home games. And that has a, an impact and a knock on in terms of your family and friends and supporters that will actually be able to, to get over there. The, what, what was your first memory of, of the Paralympic Games? What, when was it that you actually thought to yourself, actually, I could see myself in that? Yeah, um, I had heard about the Paralympic Games back in 2008 in Beijing. Um, my family had always been um, encouraging me to try and watch the games. And it was something that I just enjoyed. Mm. And it was something that I didn't exactly think much of either to be honest with you. Mm. I just thought, oh, that's cool. Because I was still so heavily invested in, in basketball, yeah. really, at that point. Uh, but then when it came to 2012, um, and as I got older and as I started to think a little bit more about things, um, I was looking at the games and I was seeing the likes of Jason Smith breaking records left, right and centre, Michael McKillop doing the same, all these incredible athletes in London as well and the exposure that it got. I think it really opened people's mind to like the possibilities that, that can arise from, from power sport and it really opened my eyes too to a certain degree um, but to, be, to tell you the truth I still also didn't think I was going to get involved and do, and do track I, I never thought that was going to be a possibility um, because I was still so heavily involved in basketball I just wanted to do basketball um, and then it eventually came to a stage as I got older um, as I went into secondary school in the same in fifth and sixth year um i did leaving cert applied which is a separate course to the typical leaving cert and um i did my work placement at um, a disability center in Chile, and um I, one thing led to another basically i had an opportunity to meet jason smith which was quite surreal uh from watching him on the tv back in 2012 to now actually meeting him in person and then him encouraging me to go to a paralympic expo to try out the different events, um, which I did, and um, four different events saw potential in me to take on their discipline at a professional level at that point, and um, I made the decision that I was gonna gonna choose the sport of high jump, and within a year and a half, it, it was myself and Jason on a podium together, winning medals together, which is which now that I say it is actually kind of funny. <laughs> I never really really put it into into that perspective from watching him in 2012 to 
then winning medals alongside him on an international stage six years later. It's uh, it's quite surreal actually in my own in my own head. No, Doesn't it just but, show yeah, though yeah, yeah. that anything is possible? That if you're willing to actually put in the hard work and if you believe in yourself, and oftentimes that can be the biggest barrier to overcome. But you you clearly did. You clearly had the support that was there and those sliding door moments that you know maybe you didn't get to go and to the to the expo because something else came up and maybe mm. it didn't happen but it did and so now you're in a position where you're already a Paralympian and you've got the opportunity of getting to Paris next year what does that entail because it's one of the challenges I always find in terms of Olympic and Paralympic sport is that everything is geared towards those couple of weeks in august and september now of of 2024 but you're not there yet and you have to you have to put in the work and you have to get the results in order to get there so what's your qualification process yeah um so like first off is um like like planning needs to needs to be meticulous on the lead up to on the lead up to Paris. So if anything, you almost have to plan backwards in a way. What's the what's the process going to be like, like you said, to to be able to get there? So number one priority is 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 making sure that I qualify. Um, the qualification and high performance standard set out from the Paralympics committee was actually released last week, and it's one meter eighty seven. So that's that's something that that shouldn't be a problem at all. Touch wood. Um, so that's. Uh, that's something that myself and the team locally have to factor into the training program is to when exactly do we want to hit that height? Um, because not only is there Paris Paralympics next year, there's also the World Championships in Japan next year too, uh, which is two and a half months prior to the Games. So I have to double peak and I also have to qualify for the Games. So that's why myself and the and the team locally, I'm I'm very fortunate and blessed to have a fantastic supporting network back home my three coaches Tomas Griffin Alan Delaney and Shane O'Rourke have been exceptionally professional in um, making sure that they're that they're getting me into um, getting me into the best shape possible and also providing me with a very structured professional plan too um, so our, our goal really is to qualify between uh, the months of January and March to make sure that the qualification standard is done early within the season. Um, then to kind of have that ease of pressure off going towards worlds, getting back into a nice strong structured training block. Um, then after the world championships, I am scheduled to compete in the Paris Grand Prix from June 13th to June 15th. So that would be a nice kind of tester competing in Paris again before I compete in Paris, hopefully again, then, um, on the 1st of September. Um, so like we're, like we're still in the middle of planning. We have um, a brief overview of what exactly it is that we want to do and what we need to achieve. Um, but I'm just, I'm just back from um, two weeks off now. Um, so um, I'm, I'm just looking forward now to getting stuck in and, and getting that plan done with the guys so we can push through and uh, just build on, on, on some big jumps hopefully next year. To make it all real. Have you ever been to Paris? I have been to Paris about nine or ten times at this stage. Um, I've I've competed in Paris about four or five times. Um, thankfully, I don't want to jinx it. I've always I've always performed pretty well in Paris. Um, it, it's a place I love competing in. Um, the majority of tracks in Paris are at a very high standard. Um, and as a jumper, 
they're a nice hard mando surface so the kickback that you get from the hard surface is really good mm. um you'll feel it after the competition all right you'll <laughs> you, you'll need to do your recovery after a comp after the competition after jumping on a mando surface but it's uh it's all worth it if you can if you can get a a good potential performance in and um get the kickback off the hard surface so i love competing in paris i'm looking forward to heading to paris um my family are are really happy and excited about uh potentially going to the to the games next year too and my friends as well um i think there i think there could potentially be a be a sea of green for when i'm competing at 7 13 p.m on uh, the first of september because so. there's always been that tradition at the big sporting events we saw it at the Ryder Cup you see it at World Cups and everything else there's always a Kerry jersey there so <laughs> it might be a sea of green with a little flash of gold across it <laughs> more than likely yes <laughs> more than likely and the tickets for for fans and family and and anybody who wants to go went on sale this mm-hmm. week um, it's likely that all of the events are going to sell out the level of support and the level of engagement with Paralympic sports since London really has just escalated off the charts because you've grown up in that environment that seems normal to you now um but is it something that you sometimes stop and think and when you think back to that moment when the basketball just gradually stopped bouncing in in the hall in St Brendan's College to get from there when people just thought well there's no way that he can play basketball to get to a point now where you might be competing in a stadium of 80 or 90,000 people watching you jump what does that kind of do inside in your head um it's <laughs> i mean like i've i've always been so heavily self-motivated um and whenever whenever i say something publicly that like I want to be one of the best jumpers in the world. I, 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 I say it, but I, I wholeheartedly believe it too, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be able to get there at some point. It may, it may take longer than expected. It may take shorter than expected, or a shorter duration than expected. But I, I, I won't just say something if I don't believe it. And if I believe it, then I'm going to work a hundred, hundred percent towards achieving it. Um, so, to me, in a way, um, in a funny way. I'm not like I'm very grateful to potentially get the opportunity to compete next year, but I'm also not surprised because I've always believed this, and I don't mean that in a in a cocky way per se, but I I mean it in a very self motivated and driven way because I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't want to be one of the best at it. Do you know I I want to be competing against the top guys in the world. I want to be competing in front of sixty seventy thousand people in a stadium. Um, it's quite funny actually sometimes I feel like I'm more comfortable competing in a big stadium than I am just walking around the street because it's what I train for it's what I visualise every day the amount of visualisation that I do on the daily basis thinking about thinking about the games walking into the stadium jumping over a bear beating athletes performing to the best that I can perform you know it's um, it's, it's like I can see the script in my head but you, it, once you can try and visualize it, the likelihood of it happening is is a lot higher, provided that you put in the work on the daily as well. So it's uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful to be there, hopefully, but I'm not surprised too because there there there's a serious amount of hard work that that goes into. I mean, I'm training twelve times a week, uh, six double sessions a week. Um, you know, it's uh, 
and it's a lonely sport too i know i have a team but it's just me if i'm not performing i can't get my coaches to jump over the bar because number one they're not allowed number two they physically can't <laughs> you know so it, there's so much accountability on your shoulders um and there's a lot of pressure if you win it's on you if you lose it's on you and uh i enjoy that to be honest i enjoy it it's uh it's um it's definitely a buzz that's for sure putting it lightly I would never apologize for being confident when you can back it up as you clearly have and as you clearly have the ability to do over the course of the next uh, couple of months going into Paris. Um, the permanent TSB are helping you to turn Paris green. We want to get as many Irish people over there to support as possible, uh, wearing green and gold jerseys, wearing green <laughs> T-shirts, wearing even blue jerseys of Dublin. Uh, we'll, all, we'll all row in behind you. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you again. Jordan Lee, thanks a million. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that. And thanks again to our Olympic and Paralympic partners, PTSB, Altogether More Human. You can subscribe to the podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Thursday across a wide range of sporting areas on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. There are now more than 40 interviews to listen back to, including with the CEOs of Sport Ireland, the British and Irish Lions, the FAI and many more, as well as sporting stars like Jordan, including Rashida Adelecki, Geroth Hegarty and Fintan McCarthy. Please feel free to dive in and spread the word. You can sign up as well to our twice daily email bulletins or check us out on X or LinkedIn, all that at sportforbusiness.com. Join us again for the next episodes with New Zealand entrepreneur Michelle Walsh, recorded before Saturday's defeat in the Rugby World Cup, and world champion gymnast Rhys McLenaghan. Thank you for taking the time once more to listen in.